I was postal my whole life anyway because I'm super lazy and uh, I know I'm going to sleep in the whole day if uh, if I have a responsibility to vote. So I just postal vote. Nice. Um, my one complaint for the postal vote this year was that I, I managed to mess up the application to stay on the postal ballot. Okay, how? So I had to reapply and... <laughs> Their online application system sucks. How can you mess up a postal ballot application? I'm assuming it was my fault. I They sent me a thing to be like, hey, are you still alive? And I was like, yeah, I'm still alive. And then they, they sent back a thing like, okay, we've removed you from the from the postal. And I'm like, no. Um, so I, I reapplied, downloaded the PDF. The PDF asked me for my, my date of birth. My day of birth is a, is a one, so zero one. Yeah, yeah. And it wouldn't let me input the date with a leading zero. What do I do? Okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe when you got the form wrong in in the first place, you ticked the box that said I am legally deceased. Maybe. Therefore, please don't please don't add me to the postal vote. Yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> dead on the inside. Uh, no, so I postal voted, uh, and then for the for the for a few days after that, I kept receiving party party leaflets through the door and being like, "Ha you're too late." <laughs> How many leaflets did you get? Because my goodness, Hundreds. they went through they went through a fair whack of trees. The amount of stuff I got through my yeah, letterbox. absolute piles. I think the only ones that came through that feel that felt like they were uh, on recycled paper were from the Greens and from the Lib Dems. Classic. I think everybody else was on like double glossy, thick card, <laughs> disgusting stuff. I really do have an interest in the parties who are clearly spending a lot of money to print these leaflets and to get them. Uh, printed or posted through people's letterboxes when in reality they will get maybe 150 votes in various constituencies therefore losing their deposit yeah. and having spent however much money. I think that's wild and some real commitment. One of the parties that I'm curious about the finances of um, in Scotland right now is the, the Family Party. Oh, that one. <laughs> okay. The Conservatives, we know that they're all corrupt and stuff. <laughs> True. If you want a bad time, go and read the Family Party's manifesto. It's interesting. It's rough. <laughs> They've got one or two points in there that are good, just like any party will. But the rest of their stuff is very interesting and pretty painful reading. Even their education stuff is painful reading. Uh, one of the one of the sentences I know there. Are, sorry, there are many sentences I could have picked on in the Scottish Family Party's leaflet. Yeah. But one was, "We demand academic rigor." What earth does that mean? They don't actually have a clue what they mean about the education stuff. One, I get that, that, that what they think is that um, we need to punish kids more. Yeah. Um, and more directly. We need to bring back negative reinforcement rather than, you know, good healthy stuff that science says is good. Indeed. And that psychologists have, have suggested we do rather than smack children. I think they want to, children to be smacked again. Yep. Uh, which is disgusting. They've got a lot of resources. They put out a bunch of stuff online. They put out a bunch of flyers and all this stuff. There's no way they're getting that much money from the population of Scotland. I'm I'm wondering if they've got some American finance behind them. Do you think that parts of their the, the family party's plan was to send out so many leaflets that they knew that people were going to post about it on social media, therefore oh, yeah. actually increasing their reach. Because to me, it was reminiscent of that time the Conservatives put out a manifesto or some sort of social media picture using Comic Sans, mm-hmm. which then inadvertently was shared thousands of times, way more than it would have done if they just used Tahoma. Yeah, they're they're latching on to the outrage thing as well. Uh, in a slightly different way to the Conservatives. And although the Conservatives right. go for it as well, they just like genuinely cause outrage to get noticed. And I'm sure the Family Party are doing that um, to try and sneak their unsourced and unscientific manifesto under everybody's noses. Uh, but at least the Tories say sex education's actually okay. Yeah. And, and, that, and, that's, and that more than just straight people can exist. Yeah. And they don't like demand that 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 hate speech goes unrecognized, and they don't demand that um, <laughs> the abuse of of spouses does not include like mental abuses. It's like it's fine. We don't we don't care that people shout homophobic slurs at you. It's free speech. We can say what we want. Yeah. No. Get in the bin. Yeah. But I'm I'm. They just sound so. All their points sound so based around American culture and American right wing talking points that they must have American backing. Because some of their stuff doesn't even speak to stuff that's going on in Scotland. Can we do? Should we start our first ever cease operate investigation after two hundred forty nine episodes, and we try and find out who's funding them? Let's let's do the let's do the spin off show. 
it, here, here it begins. Seas <laughs> operate after dark. Okay. Yeah. Well, welcome to the show. This is not Seas operate after dark. It's just the OG. It's the granddaddy, and we're on episode two hundred forty-nine. <laughs> I mean, really, is the granddaddy? Yeah. One away here, James. Wow. Oh man, getting old. And this show is old as well, almost at the quarter century. And thank you very much if you are uh, listening for the first time or for the 249th time. I know I am. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, actually I am too. Yeah, uh, I'm Colin. He is James. Yep. Not candidates for the Scottish family party. Make that clear. Never going to be candidates for any party. Let's oh, indeed. throw that out there. Certainly not for a... Uh... Does Count Binface have a party? Or is he just is he just an independent? I feel like he has been in the Monster Raving Loonies. Ah, yes, he might have been. Um, but I think he's independent in the London mayoral election. Okay, okay. Well, anyway, thank you very much for listening. If it is indeed your first time, welcome. Uh, this is indeed Scotland's longest-running season one of any news-slash-entertainment podcast <laughs> in history, as well as your new favourite podcast and yep. less popular than fascism. True. Are we less popular than the Scottish Family Party? That's the question. Yes, we are. We are. We are. You're right, because actually the, the cumulative votes they'll get over the next couple of days will actually beat our listeners. So therefore... I probably... I Yeah. Therefore, we are less popular. I think I probably know more people who who would vote for the Scottish Family Party than I know people who, who listen to my, to my podcast. Yeah, that's true. That is yeah. true. Okay, well, if you have anything to add... To our well-informed discussion, you can do so at Parade on Twitter or Parade at gmail.com yeah. for longer form stuff. Thank you to Shanana. She got in touch to say, uh, today, Parade blew my mind when I discovered uh, that at Clach Callan has never painted his nails black. I just assumed you've had black polish on your nails since forever. Get that happening, you would rock it. Also, I'm sorry, Fifers are being homophobic jerks. We're usually nicer than that. And the thing is, Shanano... Shanano? Shanano. <laughs> Shanana? Shanano. Shanano, my uh, Graham is is a Fifer, hence why we were in Dunfermline. Yeah. Thankfully, he is he is without the strong Fifer accent, which I am eternally grateful for. Uh, but yeah, most most Fifers are nice, most of them. But like the reflection of the population as a whole, there are some arseholes out there, and I just met. I've met a few of them now. Yeah, like anywhere. Or, or rather, they've introduced themselves to me by shouting things instead. Colin, I was going to sweeten the deal for you, by the way. Oh, really? How so? If you paint your nails black bravely while you are doing a professional everything with your life and stuff like that, you can pick the color that I will paint mine because I never <laughs> okay. go outside anyway. That sounds good. Yeah, I mean the the step is of course it's uh it's it's one thing to paint your nails black if you're going out skating, but it's very different if you're yeah. running a media training session for Glen Morangy. Exactly. So exactly. That's why I'm sweetening the deal. <laughs> right. Well, we'll we'll see. I know the the first step is easy enough to do, but the second one will be more of a challenge, uh, even even to myself. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted on that. And uh, also, we had another comment from the Tokyo podcast who said, "Controversial view. I didn't appreciate Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker at all. At all. That is controversial. At all. At all yeah. is not strong. Even, not even a little bit. Just at all. As, yeah, it's strong. I appreciate a strongly worded view, though. So well done. Um, yeah. <laughs> hard to disagree. I thought it was at least decent, even if I'm being mean. <laughs> e- even if you thought some parts of it were over the top or a little too comic booky." Yeah, you come on. There's there's got to be some merit in there. I'm in it for the comic book stuff. I'm in it for the comic book stuff. I mean, we remember what they did with the scarecrow in the first one. They set the tone. What I would say is compare Heath Ledger to Jack Nicholson. That oh. uh, that is the you know if you can't appreciate Heath Ledger, then what earth do you think of Jack Nicholson anyway? Yeah, or Leto. Also, oh yeah, oh absolutely. <laughs> or uh, also adding, sorry, this also finished with uh, a real meta review would be someone reviewing Seesaw Parade on Seesaw Parade. Please do, which we will get to. We will get to later the review section of what we've been watching. So if you, dear listener, have finished a TV series or watched a movie lately, you can send us your review and we will read it out or play it as we have done recently. If you want to send us an audio review of the podcast, (laughs) that can can go on. Okay, right. Anyway, let's crack on. Let's talk this big election that we're we're still experiencing. Yeah, yeah, this three-day-long election. Right, James. This this is the uh, the story which will be 
I'll be honest, out of date by the time you listen to this. I because know. it is Friday afternoon, it's just gone three. The timing is awful. We are currently seven seats declared in Scotland with only another 122 to go. Yeah. This is, of course, the election, the Scottish parliamentary election taking place. Uh, the vote was on Thursday. Yeah, but more importantly, the Hartlepool by-election. Oh, we'll get to that. Don't you worry. Don't forget how much more important that is. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a second. So to give you the bigger picture stuff, because it's very difficult to talk about what the future of the Scottish Parliament looks like with only seven seats declared, yep. uh, but six have been held by the SNP, one's been retained by the Lib Dems, and uh, the vote share looks like it's down a little bit uh, for the SNP. So, so more people voting for other parties, despite the fact the SNP yeah. have still won these seats. And turnout looks to be up, which is good. Uh, between we like high turnout. We do between five and ten percent on five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. That will be a factor as we get through the rest of the day. Most of the seats will be called on Friday and the full picture will be known by tea time on Saturday. So, of course, the outcome then decides who forms the next Scottish government. Yeah. So sorry, weekend listeners. You will just have to fill in the gaps. Yeah. I mean, I'm very predictable in what I say. So just extrapolate according to how many seats the SNP ended up winning. Um, you know exactly what I'm going to say about it. Right, so so let me just pick on a few because we've just seen uh, the SNP have held Banff and Buchan. Buchan. Buchan? Can't remember. Buchan. But Buchan. They have, uh, they had, sorry, a majority Buchan? of 6,000. That's been reduced to 772. It's a small number. And it's swung to the Tories. So yeah. is the... Is this a reflection? I mean, that is the northeast of Scotland. It is. Which is a, a kind of a mix of, of Tories and SNP. Is this a reflection of what's happening over this election, do you think? There's there's a few variables that haven't settled yet. Uh, quite a few of the, or a couple of the seats at least, um, that we're seeing the SNP lose a big share in. It's due to them running a new name and maybe the old name being a bit tarnished and stuff like that. So there are certain seats where okay. the person who has, who has left the party has left under pretty bad circumstances and the new names are having to step up and try and uh, fill in the gaps. And that's always going to lead to to votes going around. I think it is a bad sign in general that the votes are swinging towards the Tories rather than you know any party that didn't cause general catastrophe in the UK for the last decade and a bit. Especially in these specific areas where it's the Tories doing that they are currently going through different sorts of crisis. Um, I think any increase for the Tories across the UK and especially in Scotland at this time makes no sense. I think any increase for the SNP is also unjustified seeing the way they've handled the COVID crisis. So it's a shame to see the Tories doing doing the win in any sense. and. I do wish that any of this downturn from the SNP was going towards, you know, uh, um, a decent party. But hey, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, because maybe the other seats, the SNP will have massive amounts of increased popularity um, where there hasn't been more trouble in the last couple of years. Right. OK, well, as as I say, the bigger picture will be known on, on Saturday. My take from all this is I would imagine the SNP, as predicted, will either get a very, very slim majority mm-hmm. or will have just underneath it and will will collab again with the, the Greens, who I suspect will do Indeed, please. better this time than they have done in, in previous years. Perhaps they may do their, their best ever. Yeah. So that is what I, I suspect will happen with fewer votes for the SNP. Because of various factors, but yeah, I, I agree. I do struggle to understand, particularly in parts of Glasgow, why, let's say, fans of a certain football club, mm. the South Side, vote the way they do, despite living in one of the most deprived uh, yeah, well, parts of the country. But that is a, a, a different question for a different day. It's just because of their affiliation to do with one, one political um, talking point, right? Yeah. And that 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 just eclipses all other troubles. It doesn't. I literally said troubles. <laughs> uh, that eclipses all other areas 
and which which includes the very deliberate deprivation of their city by the party they choose to vote for. Yeah, which I think they don't do willingly. I don't think they. I don't think people know this. I think it needs to be told and taught in general that their poverty has nothing to do with any anything um, specific to their area, except that the Tories removed funding from Glasgow and specifically from the south side. So please, even if you are very much pro any specific landmass, vote for your own good, not for some historical vote or not for something else entirely. Yeah. Just vote for something that works for you and your area. To, to me, it was summed up best in a tweet I saw, which was, here we go, voting for a worse future for myself, my family and my community, but we are the people and that's all that matters. Yeah. And I don't want to jump on the bandwagon of like making fun of football fans in general for putting football ahead of their um, their own interests and, and especially in voting. I've seen too much of that chat right. uh, online where everybody's lumping all football fans in as this mindless uh, pile of uh, idiots. Whereas it's just a loud minority. It doesn't happen yep. that much. It's uninformed people that are doing it. Nobody that is informed and is active politically does this kind of a thing there's a couple of points you've you've raised actually the first one is about the loud but uninformed minority did you see the video of convicted racist jada franson shouting at uh, first yeah. minister nicola sturgeon yesterday yeah and in in a very brief one minute rant managed to to completely undermine her own talking points, unsurprisingly. What I thought was really funny was that the video was posted by Jim Dowson, who is also a notorious racist, formed this uh, party, I think it's the British Freedom Party or something similar. Something, I don't yeah. want to give too much airtime to these morons, but uh, they were essentially harassing Nicola Sturgeon. And I reckon that Mr. Dowson posted the video because it was, ah, we've we've showed her. We got her. When in actual fact, in the space of 60 seconds, Nicola Sturgeon says, you are a fascist, you are a racist, and the people of the South Side will reject you. Which they will. And, uh, and walked away. Uh, yeah, you're right, they will. But the problem is that there will be the couple of hundred people who don't. Precisely. Yeah. And, and that's what I find, you know, we talked about this, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but on social media, it's so easy to get sucked into this circle of oh man there's so many people saying these views this this viewpoint or these viewpoints must be massive yeah but actually it's just a handful of people in a country of five and a half million who are just especially loud precisely and now have a platform to spew whatever bile they want for example there was and it is a problem yeah uh, for example another picture yesterday Hamza Youssef uh, posted uh, with his Labour counterpart, both of whom are standing, uh, I believe, in the south side of Glasgow, in my constituency in Crookston. Mm -hmm. And the picture was of the two of them breaking their fast, because, of course, Ramadan is still uh, happening for Muslims all over the world. And the picture was, you know, essentially uh, summarised by beyond party boundaries, you know, where people, and it was really great to to break our fast together Mm -hmm. outside this polling station. And some of the comments, my goodness, it just made you sad that people can hide behind that avatar and say whatever they like. And it was really grim. Yeah, it is grim. And again, it's never the fault of the individuals um, that are, that are, being misled into this. I mean, when you're when you're stepping up to lead a party or stand for a fascist or racist party, you're a part of the problem. But the biggest problem facing a, an informed population is, of course, a incredibly monopolized and incredibly biased media. We know exactly who the most dangerous person in the world is. Yeah. <laughs> And it's whoever owns the newspapers. And guess who owns them all? (laughs) I was going to say Rupert Murdoch. (laughs) Yeah, so Murdoch's putting out a whole bunch of divisive and racist chat for decades. Of course, it ends up convincing a few loud individuals that there is a problem. And it is so manipulative because what? The, the the people of Glasgow South Side, the racists of Glasgow South, are being represented by somebody who is from uh, Dutch heritage, uh, uh, who um, whose family immigrated to the UK, and I believe somebody who's popped over from Ireland. Yeah. So come on, like, how racist are you going to be? What, where, where, where do the boundaries end? Like, when does race become okay for these people? What they genuinely mean is, as long as you look white, you're all right. Um. 
which is disgusting. And they, they're saying that themselves. <laughs> like, they, they, they don't want their city changed into a different country. They don't want their country changed into a different country. Yeah. Like, who's teaching them to say that? It's, it's the Murdochs. It's the people who are blaming immigration for today's problems. It's, it's, a, it's a huge issue. Um, so the issue isn't that there's 500 racists. The issue is who's teaching them to be racist. Yeah, and let's talk about the misinformation slash need for education as we talk about Hartlepool, because this was the by-election, I believe the only by-election in England, which was taking place on the same day as the yes. Scottish and the Welsh elections. Yes, the more important by-election. Right, it's uh, certainly significant for a barometer of how... <laughs> Yeah. Politics is looking south side of uh, of the border. I'm just being salty because it was the only thing I was getting big notifications for every now and then. <laughs> okay, well, let's uh, start with the headline. The Conservatives beat Labour in the Hartlepool by-election. They have. It is the first time in the current constituency's history yep. that a Tory MP has been elected. Mm-hmm. So Jill Mortimer defeated her rival by almost 7,000 votes. It's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and uh, obviously this is a massive blow to uh, Sir Keir Starmer's efforts to win back the traditional Labour yeah. heartlands. And also the story uh, notes that Tories are also making gains from Labour yeah. in local council elections. I think the lesson that we can learn from Labour's losses so far, and I'm presuming their continued losses as the votes keep coming in, is that they need to get rid of Jeremy Corbyn, <laughs> he's too extremist, and we need a sensible centrist candidate who is more prime ministerial. So... We'll talk about the Labour aspect first before we talk about why the North East of England have, have voted uh, Conservative. Diane Abbott, who is uh, an ally of her of uh, Mr Starmer's <laughs> predecessor, sorry, Sir Starmer's predecessor, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, had tweeted that this was a crushing defeat and it was not possible to blame Corbyn for it because Labour won the seat twice whilst he was in charge. Yep. And now that Keir Starmer's in charge, they've lost. So what's happened here? Well, what's happened here is that um, Labour have zero principles, spent five years viciously tearing apart their own party. They did. Learned zero lessons, haven't done anything of note since, and are reaping their reward from tearing themselves apart. This is entirely to the, on the shoulders of everybody who undermined Labour. And that was Labour themselves. <laughs> uh, and then they, elect, they, they, put, they put Kurt Starmer out. To, to lead them into a renewed and reinvigorated party and they haven't they haven't really been interesting they they aren't opposing anything they aren't standing for anything they've barely say two words that get the headlines yeah what do they do they need to actually like inspire people for once like I, you know Corbyn did yeah I, I would agree with the majority of commentators who are saying and as you've said I'm going to class you as a commentator Ooh. that labor are essentially in no man's land they, they are failing to plant their flag anywhere and you would be hard pressed to actually explain what they stand for right now yeah because they 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 aren't offering anything that's radically different or radically labor for the you know the working class person who voted leave no there was a study done recently that showed three quarters or three and four people who voted leave have gone tory yeah, uh, and that is a reflection of the fact that well, I don't know the Tories seem to be offering more. You certainly know what they stand for. Well, yeah. Even though, as we've seen uh, here, Hartlepool have, have uh, voted Tory first time in fifty odd years since the constituency was formed. Is this James simply a case of Labour collapsing, or do you believe that people genuinely see the Tories as being, despite no, yeah, no, everything no. we've talked about to do with this government over the last year, do they genuinely believe the Tories is what's best for Hartlepool? No, I don't. I don't think we need to do a quick rundown of the the government's no. failures and the Tories' incompetence and corruption. Uh, we know all about that. Um, I think the only thing that's propping up the Tories is once again their friendly media um, outlets. We got the BBC wishing w- wishing away all of their mistakes, um, just pretending that they aren't doing anything. Whenever there's a mistake or some uh, some kind of corruption in the in the Conservatives, we got uh, the op eds on the BBC being like, "But this is okay, really. Don't worry, people." Yeah, yeah. Um, all the Brexit stuff, they they get to keep blaming the EU for, and of course the media does that too. Um, th- the only thing that will get rid of a Conservative government is. Again, if if they start doing their own infighting, they will get a new conservative government 
uh, or if the media actually holds them to account. And that includes the BBC, who need to be giving us accurate reporting on the failures. Um, and I don't think they've been like undermining Starmer, but they've not been propping him up. They've not been giving him like 10 foot long stilts so he can be seen. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the losses on Labour's, on Labour's side this time cannot be blamed on like media hysteria and uh, over-aggressive reporting, overly aggressive reporting. Um, but he's just invisible and then the Tories just keep getting coddled and therefore they're going to get seen as, as winners somehow. Okay. Even though they've failed at every juncture. Okay, right. Let's uh, move on. That will continue to be counted over the next, uh, 36 hours. I mean, it's crazy. Labour are down already in, in councillors into like, I think they've lost a hundred councillors so far. Yep. The other thing we didn't touch on is that the UKIP are irrelevant now, so therefore all their voters are Tory. <laughs> so it does make the challenge harder for Labour as well, well. Yeah, what was interesting, I read this, was the Brexit party in Hartlepool, which at the most recent election prior to this one in 2017, had 26% of the vote. Yeah. This, this by-election with the newly formed Reform Party was down to one. Oof. And basically all the Brexit voters went to the Conservatives. So yeah, yeah you're right. But yeah, Labour, please just start being inspiring. Do anything. Okay, let's move on. Uh, talking of inspiring, fish have been uh, inspiring lots of action by French fishermen this week, where a couple of uh, British Royal Navy ships have uh, returned to base after essentially summoning themselves to the uh, waters between the Jersey coast and France. It's all over post-Brexit fishing rights. Wow, so U- those are still an issue. Surprise! Right, so the UK government say that the, the situation is resolved for now, <laughs> yeah, but they sure. remain on standby to assist Jersey. This this was after French fishermen uh, protested. They all f- flew, they flew, they sailed their flotilla. They, f- <laughs> they flew it. Uh, which is unusual <laughs> considering it was boats. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, water is just like really dense air, so it's kind of like flying. Yeah, yeah. They got so quickly. It, they got there so quickly. It was almost like they flew. But anyway, they got to uh, St Helier, the port, to protest uh, after what they say is their rights being unfairly restricted by the Channel <laughs> Islands' new yep. post-Brexit system. But they sound like they were kind of correct as well. Yeah, just, just saying. So the UK, in, in the aftermath of that, said it had agreed with the Jersey government that one of the Royal Navy's offshore patrol vessels uh, would uh, head out there on the Thursday, and then there was a couple that were out there, and now Boris has come in and said that he was pleased that the situation has now been resolved. But James, this entire thing is a mess. We had the French authorities threatening to cut all the electricity uh, off, or the electricity supply off from Jersey, because it comes from France. All over fish. Yeah, it kind of makes sense in a in a way because there was a pretty dodgy agreement there was a bit of a i'm sure an agreement no agreement that is that has made it uh, from now until eternity is going to please everybody so there was an agreement made that some people were going to be upset about and then the agreement was kind of changed right before publication just a couple of little alterations were added and those alterations like kicked things over um that that was that was a spark that was needed for the protest um genuinely i i just don't see the way forward for fishing for fishermen in in any region at this point to get along and be friends yeah um, it's it, it's all going particularly badly so for for example here uh, the french authorities say that under these new post brexit rules uh, you, there's only 41 licenses or, or permits issued to French fishing vessels, meaning that some of them will only have a few days yeah. each year yeah. uh, to, to access the, the waters around the island. And, and it's a shame. They're gonna have to, they're, like, there will be people, if, if the current agreements are in, they're going to have to pack up, um, try and sell their boat and, and leave. And that's going to be the case there and in other areas where one side will celebrate the new restrictions and freedoms and the other side will be completely... Uh, done in by it um, and we saw that in in the Aberdeen area as well in the north of Scotland when the the UK introduced restrictions on on uh, Norwegian fishermen they all celebrated and then it, Norway introduced the restrictions on them and they they were like oh wait oh that's what happens and fishing's been an issue for decades that's why they were so easy easy to convince that brexit was the solution um, turns out brexit wasn't the solution 
And this is going to be a recurring story here and there and everywhere. Hopefully nobody's going to have their electricity cut out <laughs> and uh, protests will be allowed where needed. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be a mess forever. The, the Jersey story is ca- uh, is complicated because it's not part of the UK. It never was part of uh, the EU either. Yeah. But it's it's what's known as a, uh, a crown dependency. Exactly. Which means obviously it gets a, a substantial amount of uh, freedom and, and finance from Westminster and it also controls its its fishing waters. But the UK ultimately has responsibility for its international relations, which is why Indeed. it sent the, the big boys, the gunships out there to essentially patrol like the the teacher in the school playground <laughs> yeah and the french sent with, with a high vis jacket on the french sent their own teachers to probably the gym teachers um <laughs> and everything's everything's fine but we're not going to see the end of it this this kind of a protest and especially in the fishing industry which is just going to continuously collapse until it's completely dead yeah um is going to is going to happen again and again and again until we get like a more sustainable method of fishing, some or or I don't know production of fish, or just 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 until we have factory factories that make artificial fish, that will be it. They'll, then there'll be no more fishermen. They won't protest. They'll have new jobs. I don't know what they'll have new jobs, and we're going to have to give them money to get those new jobs. And I'm going to happily pay my taxes yep. towards them getting that money to get the new jobs. But my goodness. We just need to get rid of the whole system. Okay, well, let's uh, move on. One more story in this segment. Scotland has seen its first seven-day period without any COVID-related deaths following a positive test uh, for the first time in eight months. Wow, yeah. So the data from Public Health Scotland uh, shows that in the seven days up to May 5th, uh, there were no deaths, meaning it's the longest period since uh, September. Wow. Which is good news. However, we are it's good seeing... good news. It paints a picture of how bad things have been. Indeed. Uh, we are seeing uh, major spikes in Murray. The uh, health board there say the situation is deteriorating. Yeah. And uh, as of today, there's been an announcement that the vaccination of younger adults is being accelerated uh, so that people between the ages of 18 and 39 right. will start being given uh, vaccination appointments from Saturday. Right, uh, meaning that uh, yeah, they're they're essentially going to fast track that to attempt to shut this down because uh, Murray is experiencing what's being described as uncontrolled, sustained community transmission, which is uh, and the numbers look like it is going through that. So yeah, oh, it's certainly going up. I mean, it's it looks almost like the January numbers in Murray. Yeah, so they're saying that perhaps they're going to have to stay in level three lockdown, which, uh, well, while the rest of us go to level two. Yeah, but this is this is just a warning that, you know, even if we go to level two, hey, we, <laughs> we might have to go back to three if we mess if we mess up as a, as a community in each of these areas. And it sucks for everybody there. And I hope that the, the ramped up vaccination program puts these things to a close before the numbers go way out of control. We end up with a bunch of people in hospital again. Uh, it's scary. Like COVID's going to be scary until everybody's like super immune to it. Um, who knows when we'll see the end? Um, but there is good news in terms of vaccines. Uh, some some world leaders are putting pressure on and indicating that they are leaning towards uh, freeing up uh, the patents for the time being and allowing mass manufacture globally. Yeah, we, well, we saw Joe Biden say that uh, actually big pharmaceutical companies, too bad. We know you want to keep your nice patents, but yeah. the rest of the world and uh, humanity as a whole is more important. Yes, yeah, so we're going to have some international go. agreements for like temporary access to, to make these things. and then Although Germany said no. Indeed, indeed. They're Germany... And, yep, and they might say yes eventually, but hopefully there will be one country, one decent country, who is willing to sacrifice their industry's profit for the sake of, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. Wouldn't count on it. Including now lives in Scotland. <laughs> Please. Right, James, let's move on to the entertainment world. And what we've been watching this week, I have a movie. What do you have? I've got a film, yeah. I've got one one film. Hey, okay. Is it called one film or is it... No. I wanted to <laughs> surprise you. Oh, right. Okay, well, let me not surprise you because you know what this is. Uh, I'll start. I watched Sound of Metal. Ah. 
which is the Oscar-winning uh, movie, which is on Amazon Prime, for those of you with subscriptions. And it tells the story of a drummer who loses his hearing oh. and his uh, personal battle or his journey uh from from accepting it to to what he does after that. So it stars uh, Riz Ahmed in the oh, nice. main role with uh, Olivia Cook playing his his other half in uh, also band member and also partner. Right. And this film won a couple of awards mainly for the technical categories. I think it won best sound and best film editing. And let me start by saying absolutely because it does an incredible job of demonstrating or, or showing, reflecting, I should say, what the character that Riz Ahmed is playing is hearing. Okay, okay, okay. So everyday sounds which are distorted or muffled or in some cases barely audible. Oh. And this is, you know, this is from maybe the sixth or seventh minute of the film onwards. Of course. So there's a, there's a real talent in going into... You know, obviously the audio has been recorded properly. Yeah. But then having to craft that in the in the mix to make it sound like this is what he's hearing. Mm-hmm. Riz Ahmed, uh, British actor, was nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars, who I believe was the first Muslim to be nominated for Best Actor. Right. He is phenomenal in this movie. And I could well have seen him winning were it not for the Anthony Hopkins, right. Chadwick Boseman uh, dominating the, the headlines. Yeah. He's brilliant. He's really, really great. Wonderful. My feelings of the film, though, are mixed because oh. as someone who's had tinnitus or tinnitus, tinnitus. since uh, the age of 16 because I was playing in a, a terrible, terrible band called Nemesis without any protection whatsoever. Silly, silly comment. Uh, which was a theme for the rest of my adult life. Protect your ears, everybody. And other appendages. Indeed. And I only started wearing earplugs after I realized how bad it was getting. So yeah. f- So for someone who already has a ringing in their ears at all times, mm-hmm. this is nightmare fuel. Genuinely yeah. a-, a fear of I'm going to lose my hearing at some point if I'm not careful. Oh, right, right, right. So from that aspect, it, it felt, I guess, more real to me. Even though it's, I'm not quite as extreme as as the character being played here. Yeah, but it's, it's, you can empathise a bit, right? You've got that. You've got that first step in the journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The main issue I have with the film is that it tries to tell too much of a story in too short a time. So it starts off from you know the, the gig or one of the the gigs, and then by the end of the film, if, what a couple of years have passed, and there's no segregation of time there's no you know fade to black and oh we're now somewhere else it just you know you go from one scene to the next and suddenly he knows sign language mm-hmm. and we go from one one thing uh, one scene to the next and suddenly he's having surgery oh you know there's no there's no sense of right maybe we should have spent more time with him doing things because when it comes to a point and I'll avoid too many spoilers here it's a drama by the way it's not like a thriller or anything right. so it's a slow burn but when they demonstrate that the character uh, Riz Ahmed's playing is called Ruben, when Ruben essentially has a betrayal of, of one of the characters he's befriended and has, has uh, welcomed him into this you know, deaf world, when we get to this betrayal scene, it doesn't feel earned right. because you've not spent enough time yeah. seeing this whole relationship develop. It's just been dropping in now and again. And of course, the scenes are reflecting that, oh, they're more comfortable with each other and they're still speaking to each other. It's it's just not quite how I would have done it. And I didn't feel like okay. the payoffs were the way I would have done it. So if it was me, I would have essentially taken the first maybe two thirds or maybe half of the film and found a way to end it there because... I felt they tried to do too much. That being said, it is excellent. Riz Ahmed is is brilliant, as I say, and I would recommend it if you are looking for an Oscar-caliber movie. Maybe, I mean, not close to a Best Picture winner, but certainly very, very good. Sounds like it could have been a really good TV show, just with the extra time you get to do the character stuff and earning earning developments and things like that. I think it would have been a very, very dry TV show, but... <laughs> I like that stuff. I Yeah, I just felt it, it tried to do too much. That being said, right. I still enjoyed it. On to you. What is the film that you've seen? I watched... Um, I watched Justice League. Oh! Uh, 
I watched the Snyder. I watched the Snyder cut. Wow. Okay. That's the only version I've seen. Interesting, right? I'm I'm keen to hear yeah. what you thought. Go. I said I would probably never watch it, and here I am. Amazing. I am a new. I am a new, a reborn human being. Another cease operate promise broken. Yeah, and you know what? I I I'm completely all right with this film. Oh, okay. Um, it is really long. <laughs> It really is a long one, and it is nicely divided up into chapters. Right. So you could just do it one chapter at a time. Um, I think it's got exactly the same problem, even though it's really long. It's telling way too much story okay. for its runtime because it's doing the entire like ten years worth of development of characters and team building, and villain building, and story building all in one four-hour film um however like massive points for the style i I saw a lot of people who weren't a fan of the aspect ratio because it's not in widescreen it's in um four by three or whatever really yeah yeah but i loved it the extra verticality adds a lot to a lot of the different frames the water water what so there's more space vertically verticality okay I may made it, I may make the word up, but it makes sense to me. Extra verticality. So you've got some you got some extra space above and below the usual space, so you can have more like portrait focused shots of full character bodies right. that make sense and don't have all of this random stuff beside them. Interesting. It's definitely been shot with that in mind, which is maybe why there were so many reshoots and stuff like that. Um, I think I can see where the reshoots happened for this cut and i can see where reshoots were probably done and things were replaced for the original cut um based off what i know uh i think they they did a good job introducing uh, the characters that they've introduced and giving them all their separate moods and stuff even if those separate moods and stuff aren't really earned they're just there and then the 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 team bonding isn't really earned it's just not there and then it's there um, they don't do any of the earning of, of things. Um, so my overall review for the Justice League Snyder Cut is that it feels like the the someone someone some internet wide attempt to to do a supercut of four or five right. films, okay, and putting them together into one supercut, um, cutting out all the fluff that is usually important. Would you recommend it? No. Um, it's too long to recommend. If you really like superhero films, you really like stylistic Snyder-esque films, because he he does love cinema. That that really comes through with this one. So I would only recommend it if you really lo- love film or you really love superheroes or these specific characters. It's not great. I don't want to like spoil it too much, but one, there's one character introduction that is completely nonsensical, makes okay. zero sense takes away from the story and I, I i don't think was needed at all they do a they do a little dream sequence at one point as well towards the end uh, that it is it, just kind of kind of junk um but it's snyder wanting to like plant seeds for future films and future stories and stuff like that there is a lot of junk um it feels like it could have been a really good few seasons of television or a, a series of films the CGI is really good, though. There were a couple of moments where the CGI melted me. There was a few other moments where the CGI was just like, everything's dark and invisible and is and it obscured by smoke, and I can see why they did that. But there was a few moments where I was like, wait, how did they do that? Okay, okay. Well, let's uh, move on. You talked about Justice League there. It's only fair we talk about Marvel then, uh, right, right, uh, who yeah, have yeah. debuted a ton of new footage and a ton of new dates for Phase 4 of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Among the things mentioned and the glimpses we saw was Eternals, which is the new A-list star-studded movie with Angelina Jolie. Huge, huge film. It's oh, it's the cast is mental. Oscar, Oscar-winning director Chloe Zhao, who yeah, fresh off a Best Director win, so that's going to be wild. There was only I think maybe four scenes in this supercut, but that is coming out looking very static and normal. <laughs> Indeed, that's coming out pretty soon. Yeah, uh, we also had uh, a bunch of other announcements. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which is out in 2023, mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as some of the other ones which we knew already. We also had. The announcement of The Marvels, which is yes. the follow-up to Captain Marvel, which was the uh, the Brie Larson-helmed 
standalone movie from a couple of years ago. Not bad. And in this one, she is teaming up with people from the Disney Plus universe. So clearly, uh, as we already knew, they're all tied in, but they're clearly using these TV shows as, okay... Right, yeah. If you're on TV show, you, you can also be in the, the big cinema yeah. universe as well. Because that was the main question. How much of this would actually play into uh, the big billion-dollar blockbusters? And the answer is significantly. Because this follow-up movie to Captain Marvel has uh, Tayana Paris's character from the most recent season of WandaVision. Yeah. And also a new young uh, star of, I want to say, the Miss Marvel, yeah, Ms. Marvel TV yeah. show. Which is uh, which is coming soon, but James, uh, in amongst all this, I'll, I'll talk about your reaction to that in just a second. I want to briefly add an addendum Ooh. to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which I know we talked about a lot last week, but I had some more thoughts. Indeed, no, add a few more. I'm I, curious. I think I must have like dozed off halfway through because I don't know how I didn't pick up on these. The two, the two points I want to make. The first one, I think, it's because I interrupted and went through my manifesto. The first one is the post-credit scene. Because I've gone back and I've watched it again. Oh no, you did? (laughs) Mainly because I am staggered. And I want to figure out, like, what on earth was the thought process? For anyone who is listening to this, this is a very, very mild... uh, The mildest of spoilers, right? Mild spoilers, yeah. A female character at the end of the show is seen in a a Senate hearing. Yes. In which her hair is dark brown. (laughs) And and is parted uh, parted a certain way. And then it's shot in such a way that as an audience member, I knew what was being implied. I knew, okay, right, I see what's happening here because she's given a knowing look. And I said, okay, I figured that out. But clearly, the Marvel execs thought, ah, that post-credit scene wasn't clear enough. We need to shoot something else to make it blatantly obvious. We, we, to we need our, to make her motivations even more clear. Right, to our really stupid audience yeah. that <laughs> exactly what's going on. So, in my eyes, they've gone back they have. and they've shot an entirely new scene with her hair a different colour <laughs> and going a totally different way. Yeah, I forgot to mention the hair. It's not like it. it, it they use like a Windows Movie Maker like fade into the next it, scene. Yeah, it is the worst execution of a pickup <laughs> shot that I have seen in major TV. You see, I said again, you see the cue. Yep, they've left in the cue where she like picks up the phone and does and turns and then the scene begins they've left in the part where she preps the scene (laughs) as i say windows movie maker basic schoolboy stuff continuity all over the place editing all over the place and just just the worst anyway that was the one point my second point was in this uh in this season we had the, the character of John Walker, who's played by Wyatt Russell who i'm a big fan of as i said yeah who through the first five episodes is absolutely an antagonist. He is there... Yeah, he goes through his development towards antagonist. To, to be, like, a bad guy. And by the end of the post credit scene of episode five, you're like, okay, he's coming in, he's going to mess stuff up in the last episode. He's going to be yeah. out for out for blood. He He's he's gone mad. They're implying that he's yep. actually going mad. With grief, yep. in part, they... they He's one of the characters who almost earns his story. They just don't have enough time. But he almost earns it. And then in the final episode, (laughs) he's just like a good guy. And he's just teaming up. They're just like, they're just like, oh, by the way, suddenly he's a hero. (laughs) And it's it's fine that you're still dressing up as a a Captain America, even though you're not. You can help out. Yeah, we'll we'll be on a team. We'll shake hands and and slap shoulders. It was just bizarre. But again, it's the launch. It's the launch pad for his character, which is the agent, which is like a a grimy grey character, not an not an outright villain, not an outright hero. He's going to be in the same kind of vein as Zemo and all those. But what I but what I disliked was for the whole season they're saying, okay, this is a bad dude. He's going to be a bit nasty at the very end, and then. Just at the very end, when yeah. it went all Marvel, third act, CGI nonsense, yeah. he's suddenly just a good guy and everyone's fine with him helping out. They, they tried to do Zemo again, but they did it in one thing, instead of like l- letting the character sit for a while. Oh. Because this was the season that kind of gave Zemo the grey instead of villain. Yep. And they should have saved that for the agent, or the US agent, until the next thing he's in. <laughs> Leave him as the complete 
um, grief-ridden ridden mad dude who's who's kind of doing evil things because he doesn't know how to how to process and then redeem him next time we see him. Right. It was really unearned. It was awful. Yep. Okay, James, any thoughts uh, on what we saw from Marvel? The, as I say, the told us a bunch of dates and gave us uh, uh, some glimpses of footage. The Marvel stuff should be interesting. Like the, the 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 variety of films that we're getting from him this time is cool. We're getting things from different themes, um, things with different different and new lead characters, which is a bit, which is always a like a, a bit of interest in the pile. Um, but even the returning characters in Thor's films, in the Guardians films, um, and wait, and uh, Doctor Strange, we're getting some some non-standard films out of those. They're not going to be the 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 jigsaw pieces with gritty ending. I hope they look like they're going to be at least not standard Marvel. So I'm excited. And then there's going to be a bunch of fluff as well. Indeed. Okay, one final story, which is not on the run order. Uh, this is about Noel Clark. Oh, so this was yeah. the actor, 45-year-old actor, who has done a bunch of things, but uh, perhaps most well-known for playing Mickey Smith in Doctor Who back in the early 2000s, uh, Boyhood, or rather Adulthood and Kiddlehood, which were two uh, films that he's been doing. He's been working... And very acclaimed films. Indeed, yeah. he's been working on Bulletproof, which is a sky drama Um and uh, he was most recently in Viewpoint for ITV. But over the last week or so, The Guardian posted accounts from 20 different uh, women who were accusing him of sexual misconduct, uh, sexual harassment, all sorts of uh, gaslighting, blackmail, um, so on and so forth. The BBC in the last couple of hours have said, uh, have put out a statement to say they were shocked to hear of these allegations, Mm -hmm. including several from women who worked with Noel Clark on the sets of Doctor Who. So uh, on the back of this... Oh, even way back then. Way back then. So this is 16 years ago or so. Wow. So uh, as a result, Sky have uh, pulled their production off this uh, season four of Bulletproof, and ITV has scrapped the the showing of the last episode of this uh, the series that he's in. Wow. So there's some pretty uh, high-level decisions being made here. And again, as far as I can tell, you know, this is, this is far from a solitary voice. This is dozens and dozens of accounts to the extent that his, uh, his co-star in uh, Kid Adulthood and Adulthood, um, Adam Deacon, right. said that he had been essentially bullied right. by Noel Clark, despite the two of them being co-stars in this in these movies. Yeah, so it's expansive. This is like a wide range of, of abuses, basically. Yeah. For for years. Like and I guess the only thing to say is like the response sounds good. I like well done everybody for not trying to profit off of it and like put out the shows anyway. Like delete the stuff. Somebody who's uh unrepentantly abusive for for such a long period of time, as soon as that stuff surfaces, you've got to shut it down. And it, it's a shame it, it didn't surface sooner. Like if like that kind of thing needs to ha- needs to be talked about immediately. Year one, and then if it's not year two, and then it's not year three, and if you don't see change, and if you don't see repentance, and you don't see uh, a change of character, get rid of them. <laughs> so hey, everybody's deleting the shows, cancelling awards, get rid of them. All right, James, let's go to some other news. Uh, let's start in the States. A couple of stories there. Uh, one, let's talk about Mitt Romney, who's the uh, the US senator who was uh, this week very loudly booed by his fellow Republicans at a convention in Utah. Uh, he, of course, was the only Republican who voted twice to impeach Donald Trump and therefore yeah. is very uh, yeah. dis- or highly disliked, mm. I should say. Del- delegates shouting the words communist and traitor. And uh, amid the jeering, he then attempted to to get them back on his side by saying, so what do you think about President Biden's first hundred days? Which was, uh, uh, it didn't really stem the tide. Um, And then after a pause, the senator asked the crowd of 2,000 plus delegates, aren't you embarrassed? So that's been going well over there. I mean, a decent response from a communist. (laughs) No, um, it's it's no surprise that 
anybody who's willing to like even slightly frown in the direction of Trump and general corruption in the conserv and the conservatives in the Republican Party uh, yep. is seen as a traitor. This, this is this is no surprise. I I genuinely hope we see a big divide and a decent party born from the ashes of uh, of this scandal and their ongoing embrace of a rise of fascism. Uh, we've also got to uh, issue a retraction here, James. A seesaw parade uh, first. Probably not. We've retracted before. It must have been a long time. This was uh, last week we talked about uh, the claim, which I have now gone back and deleted from that episode because uh, we are clamping down on misinformation. The claim that that Vice President Kamala Harris's children's book was included in welcome packs for unaccompanied children at the border. This is untrue. It is false news. New York uh, Post, so- consider yourselves scum. <laughs> Down with the it, lowest of the low, like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so the New York Post, they first temporarily uh, temporarily removed the story and then revised it, uh, and then eventually chucked it all together. Uh, yeah. Chucked it all together. So that uh, is actually not true. The camp has one copy Wait, of her book. So, is it a doctored image as well? Because like I could see more than one copy in the picture. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fake. So it, the, the copy was donated. <laughs> there was one copy. <laughs> so the copy was donated as part of a citywide book and toy drive. Yeah. For migrant children staying at this uh, the centre at the border, um, at the city of Long Beach, I should say. So yes, clearly someone donated the book, and uh, that's where it came from. Man, one book. Can't believe it. And they didn't profit from it, which overall was the question we were asking. So <laughs> neutral. I'm neutral on Kamala again. Hey. <laughs> Don't don't sue us for wrecking your public opinion. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, let's move on. Bill Gates <laughs> and Melinda Gates are divorcing after 27 years. Uh, the two of them, who uh, have agreed to give away more than half of their wealth, apparently are going to keep working together. Uh, the financial implications are not le- uh, not yet clear, but what is clear is the amount of conspiracy theories that uh, came off the back of this which uh, some of which were incredibly transphobic, but uh, people do genuinely believe them, which was one of which was uh, Melinda is actually a man. And that's why they're oh, divorcing yeah. because uh, Melinda is Melinda's yeah, a he. Yeah, yeah. And, and people genuinely believe this because they're insane. Of course. Like it's obviously a trans issue because like th- there's this secret underground cabal of trans empowerment going on around the world. Um, the conspiracy theories that come out about anything are always a little bit surprising. This is just two old people getting divorced because they've spent enough time together to get bored. It's fair. There's no conspiracy to be had here. The only the only interesting thing about this for me is that we're going to probably break a record for the biggest like divorce settlement, and that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's name is probably going to be different. <laughs> Uh, after the after this is all settled. Yeah, what one issue I want to talk about is the amount of conspiracy theories that are now being shared, particularly after events like this, simply give more airtime, and I realise that this is the irony that we are actually discussing them, gives more airtime to these we are. terrible, terrible people. So, you know, the people who said that actually this divorce is a cover-up for the truth that Bill Gates is actually already dead, and... Uh, <laughs> seriously. And that's also the Microsoft co-founder as has been uh, publicised on social media by thousands and thousands of people, is actually behind this great plot to insert microchips into vaccines. Yeah, the microchips, yeah. Which, which this week, rather than controlling you, is actually just going to lower your defence systems to the common cold. So the next time you get a cold, uh, we're gonna, you're going to yeah. die. That that was shared ah, and by then a prominent... Money. By a prominent uh, right-winger in the, the States this week. Oh, it's... Un- like... And everybody falls for stuff. We fall for stuff. We fell for the boots. Yep, yeah, true. I don't want to blame the individuals. We fall for things. I think there's a there's a certain point at which you have to have some level of confidence in people. Um, and I think giving the whole world the cold but really bad so that I can make money kind of doesn't check any boxes for me. <laughs> Whereas promoting my name in some books in a kid's camp, checked enough boxes to be realistic. Yeah. Um, so I don't see these conspiracies, but hey, maybe there's an alternate timeline where I don't run a podcast for five years and have to examine my own thoughts for five years and therefore am even more prone to believing the lies where I do believe True. that 
they're divorcing because they can't agree with how to make money unethically the fastest. And one of them wants to give a cold to everybody, but the other one wants to microchip everybody instead. But they can only do one, so they're going to divorce. <laughs> yeah, Melinda taking a stand against uh, the unethical microchipping of everyone. Yeah, she did have a really bad press conference recently where they were asked about the whole vaccination thing and her response was a little bit too patronizing. So it's only going to make things worse. But I don't know. People get divorced all the time. Um I'm not surprised that the the gates are. Okay, floodgates have opened. Let's uh, move on to some other issues this week. And the United Nations have accused Colombia's security forces of using excessive force against protesters. Uh, The UN said it was... Accused, Um, like they actually have done it. The UN said it was particularly shocked by events in Cali on Monday where the Ombudsman for Colombia said at least 19 people had died. Uh, during a week of unrest over proposed tax reforms. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, James, what's what's actually happening here? Because this is, uh, as I say, it's in Cali, which is the third largest city in Colombia, uh, protesting against, uh, against something to do with uh, how much money they're giving the government. I mean, kind of. It's, it's a spark. The tax reforms are as dodgy as you'd expect. It's a country where the people in charge are pocketing money and are expanding the taxes ever lower to ask more money from ever more impoverished people um for personal profit that's 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 obviously worth protesting but it was just a spark for the protests there's there's a bunch of fuel uh, elsewhere where they've got their healthcare getting reformed to a more u.s model which i'm sure it has people upset because who looks at the US healthcare system and goes, yes, please give me that. Yep. Uh, there's been police brutality for, for decades. There's been um, killings of environmental leaders and social leaders and stuff like that. There's, there's of course, the aforementioned corruption. Like, it's a messed up country in its leadership. And the the tax reforms were like the, the breaking point for a lot of people where these mass protests have happened. And hey... The police have done what the police do when they're militarized and have respond responded in a militarized manner where they are treating everybody as the enemy and therefore worthy of violence. And people have died. And it's more than 19. There's no way. If you look a bit further than the act the the, the, the videos and the pictures that are that are available in news media and you go to more uh, grassroots media. Yeah, you can see that there is far more clashes going on than than it even is painted to be uh, internationally. Okay, penultimate story. Let's uh, talk about what's been happening in the football world. This was on Sunday, where Manchester United's Premier League clash with Liverpool was postponed after two hundred fans mm-hmm. broke into the stadium, uh, protesting against the, uh, the 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 ownership of the club, which is currently yep. run by the Glazers. So the fixture was was meant to kick off at half past four, but after several hours, in a statement, the Premier League said that the decision had been reached alongside uh, the police, uh, both clubs and the local authorities, and that a couple of people had been injured. It's the first time a match has been postponed in the Premier League because of fan protests who had been uh, gathering in their scores with green and gold flares, the original colours of uh, Man United Ah. back in the 19th century. Clever. And uh, yeah, these these were then set off about uh, two and a half hours, all these flares before the game, and then they managed to get into the stadium, I believe on two separate occasions. So yeah, the real issue for uh, the richest or one of the richest clubs in the world where your where fans can break into your your home turf. Yeah, fans can break in, fans can wreck your games, wreck your uh, matches and probably cost you a bit of money. Uh, I, I doubt that the fans are going to have the power to make the ownership look at their overall profits and go, oh no, no, these profits aren't worth it. Yeah. Because these clubs are money-generating machines with how much support they have worldwide and how much merchandising they have worldwide and all their sponsorships and stuff like that. Um, However, keep protesting anyway. Absolutely. While there are uh, corrupt owners and while there are self-interested owners uh, in a in a people's sport, a sport that was built by the people. Protests need to be occurring uh, and then governments take interest 
And until the government takes interest and actually reforms things, keep on protesting. Okay, one final story. Let's uh, circle back to last week where uh, Joe Biden announced that the US was recognizing the Armenian genocide of 1915. Latvia has followed suit and has officially recognized and condemned it. Indeed. Uh, so, a majority of their government voted in favour of that resolution. Uh, James, does does this have any bearing on the the, the rest of the world? Because Latvia, whilst a, a perhaps a minnow of world nations, it's still another one, and it's certainly much closer to it Turkey than the states. Way more within reach for a little slap back. Um, <laughs> however, I don't remember any Latvian genocides. Um, like we did mention the you know the whole genocide of the native american populations um but i'm not well versed in latvian history so maybe turkey will be able to point out their own massive problems in retaliation again um but hopefully this is just a chain of even if it's small countries hopefully it's a chain of countries who are willing to declare uh, the genocide as a thing that happened and is officially recognized because official recognition again does come with heavy costs for the country that is recognizing it it comes with Indeed. responsibility and um, which is why we've seen again New Zealand coming out to unanimously declare that there are like big moral and ethical questions in China right now but they're not going so far as to declare like yeah. a genocide they're saying there's human rights abuses but no genocide so I, I just hope that we see this increase in countries willing to take the extra step and even if it's historical ones, recognize them so that even ongoing uh, genocides around the world, the countries that are leading them, they'll be more likely to think that they're not going to get away with it for the entirety of their existence. Okay, well, on a, a lighter note, when we're talking about recognition, next week is Seesaw Parade's 250th wow. episode. Wow, so we should do a 250-minute-long episode. <laughs> Goodness sake. And yeah, we'll, do, we'll just talk about... We'll, we'll do a review of the previous 249 episodes. One minute of each episode <laughs> in review. <laughs> including, if, a, uh, including the 250th. <laughs> yeah, we do that. Just talk for 60 seconds, and then I'll take a minute from each uh, previous one. <laughs> Finish the edit by the end of the month. But if you, uh, dear listener, have any... any uh, gravitas demanding thoughts no on the podcast on on the impact it's made on your life <laughs> and now now is the time to recognize yeah no it is the time for those meta reviews if i like it's we have mentioned it at the start of the episode it is time to let us know a review of the entire podcast have you felt in your soul the betterment that Colin and I have gone through as human beings yeah. as this podcast has gone on. Because I genuinely feel like it's helped me be a good a good person in a lot of ways. I would say it, it's also helped me to process a lot of personal stuff. Same. Be yeah. Because, yeah, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to talk. And so I, I hope that this will then spur on other people to create their own spin-off podcasts we can all we can all promote each other let's all let's all podcast together become a network the seesaw network we could oh be like boy, no. be like uh, google or or, or the facebook <laughs> the face, and yeah. and and rename ourselves and then become like a parent company let's be the nestle of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> so just detested okay. and, and and unethical <laughs> Yeah, and uh, nobody really likes them. Okay, <laughs> on that note, let's wrap up. James, thank you for your time. I will see you yeah, for our you historic wow. episode uh, next weekend because it's actually it's Graham's birthday next uh, next week on the Thursday and Friday. So I'm climbing Ben Nevis. That's a long birthday. So we will we will do a yeah two day birthday. We will do the podcast at some point over the weekend. On the weekend, yeah, probably Sunday. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it already. Thank you, everybody. So See ya. See ya soon. All right. Or I guess hear me soon and hear Colin soon. <laughs> okay, bye.